ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another Dishyelta Confusion Thursday Night Hangout. Yo, it's Thursday! And do you know why this is the best Thursday in 40 years? Oh, Christ. Because someone just had a birthday. Someone just turned 40! I'm not going to name names. There's no name calling on the show. But somebody near and dear to everyone's hearts turned 40. And it's very exciting. We're not going to do name calling, but... I don't know who it could be. Okay, let me just get this out of the way real quick, okay? So, it was my birthday, okay? And so, I gifted myself some things. And Ooh. by some things, I mean I fell completely off the wagon. Oh, you finally got to the Funko Pops again. What'd you get? Oh, gosh. He's got a few. I may have gone a little bit overboard. So, <laughs> we've got Lord, the... The art series of the Riddler. Nice. Uh, Target exclusive. There you go. The art series of the Joker. The Joker. Which which Joker? Uh, just the Joker. It doesn't. It, it doesn't. There's not the Joker. There's like. It, it just says Batman. I'm, I'm going to guess. I'm my money would be uh, uh, Nicholson. Okay. Cool. So I sometimes Penguin. forget who's honestly the Joker. The Penguin art series. Okay. So, Jack Nicholson versus Danny DeVito. What do you think? Yep. Ooh, still going to go the Joker. Uh, we got a zombie Falcon. And then I'm just going to tell you that I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, Eight more boxes in here. I'm not going to take them all out because they're some. A lot of them are still in, um, like this type of box. So. Okay, so you got quite. A, hey, you know what? You deserve it, yo. Which one is this one? Oh yeah. No, this normally is, this they'll is, give you shit over Funko Pops. They'll give you an exception this week. That you should go Funko crazy. Actually, that's not all of them. There's <laughs> at least two up top as well, but you can't see them right now. Is it because they're super glorious and they deserve to be on top? Uh, yes. Uh, one is the um, uh, the rainbow uh, Deadpool for oh. uh, Pride. And uh, then another one is Spider-Man 2211, which was a beyond amazing collection. Amazon exclusive. Ooh. Yes. So. Is it a counterfeit exclusive? No, no. Amazon. So, all right, now let's jump into the show. First off, for those interested or those curious, um, as you know, every single time that Alter Confusion goes to a convention, such as MomoCon, we do interviews. And yes, I know that I was a little rusty and I didn't get nearly as many interviews done as I usually do. Um, but out of, I think it's the five interviews that I did do, I have three of them have now posted as public on YouTube, um, and I've got one that's posted as unlisted because I want the, the person, the, the group that I interviewed to actually look at it before I actually set it out into the wild. And I um, have basically laid the groundwork for the fifth one. So if you're nice. interested, the three that are already out is, um, it's a game called Operation Zeta, which is uh, a cute little game. Um, closer than you know, it's a point click adventure. And then, uh, the other one is more of a, a company, 
uh, Argent Games. He was showing off. He was he did uh, visual novels, so uh, he wasn't showing off just one. But good interviews. I mean, you know, uh, if anybody out there wants to uh, <laughs> ask about any pointers about interviews, man, I could tell you some pointers about what to do and what not to do. What's your number one not to do? It is not required if you have more than one person working on the project to have the entire team available for the interview. Not what everybody. Wants, what if everyone wants to get their say? Because of the way that at least my interviews are structured, I want them quick and, and pretty crisp. There are certain questions that, yeah, it might make sense to kind of pass the mic around. Yeah. Um, but the vast majority of the questions can be answered by like the project lead and they're built like that a project lead or like the social media lead, someone who knows, you know, the, the, the answers, um, you know, what's the name of the game? What's the name of the company? What platform is it coming on? How long have you been working on it? And then of course, you know, for like, then like the more team oriented ones is what's the biggest hurdle that you've had to overcome and what is your biggest accomplishment? Uh, that you have, and that of course, uh, what uh, knowledge would you like to pass on to future uh, indie creators? What knowledge, indeed, shall we pass along? Well, the other thing is, it. I feel, I feel like when when you have more than one person, um, people start thinking that they deserve like equal screen time. Okay, I'm, I'm yeah. not saying that 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 there's not interviews out there where everyone does get an equal, you know, screen time, but the vast majority of the time, you know, it's going to be one person talking a lot and a lot of people just smiling, maybe nodding, and it, it's you know. So it's actually not funny to say that because, like, for the robotics we do, mm-hmm. they actually do a team interview, and it's limited to five minutes. But part of the deal is, is I'm noticing exactly what you're saying. Because if like, let's just say we have six kids on the interview, yep. what inevitably happens, because we do a lot of practice runs. And the primary reason is the first time you do it, exactly like you're saying, like the two kind of primary people, they're going to talk like 90% of the time. And so you have to pair it back. But it's a little bit different there because you're supposed to have everyone talk and we can practice. But I think you're right, though. If it's just like an ad lib you know, ad hoc interview, you only really need one or two people because naturally that's all that's going to talk anyways. That's just kind of how it works. Well, there's also going to be a lot of, I mean, if you have, if everyone has to, wants to put, add their voice, there's going to be just a lot of reiteration. You know, yeah. it's going to be the same stuff over and over and over again because I know this is going to sound crazy, but teams have shared experiences. Sure. Um. Uh, and also, this is not to be mean to anyone, but there are people out there who are better off camera than on camera. Uh, now, this uh, this didn't happen during any of my interviews, but uh, there's quite a few Kickstarter projects out there where they decided to put everybody in front of a camera, and the the guy who who's probably like the brains of the operation is just he's like deer in the headlights. <laughs> and monotone because he's freaking out because he's having to stare at the camera. Whereas it would probably be better for like, you know, like a voiceover while, you know, you kind of get him like just 
kind of like candid recording of him helping kids learn the game or something like that, which would have been much better. Yeah, I could see that. Um, but that being said, um, be, uh, the 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 videos, the three of the three of the five videos are available on YouTube. Uh, I'm going to be posting the podcast versions of those tomorrow, and then they'll also be posted on the website. And of course, it'll be blasted across social media. And <laughs> here's the other thing: um, I can only do so much. I, I mean, I can I could post the the interview and throw it across my social media, but as the interviewee, mm-hmm. you need to then reshare. Okay. Well, it's because it's in. I mean, it's in their benefit if people get to hear about it. Yeah. Because it also is advertising for them at the same time. Well, right. The the thing is, like, if if you you already have a fan base, right? Um. Yeah. Uh. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. You have a fan base. There's going to be following. If, if you're the developer, you're going to have a fan base that's following your project. And um, so they're going to be on your social media. But the cool thing is, this is and this is why you want to do interviews, is that mm-hmm. um, when you get an interview done, like from Alter Confusion or, or some other source, um, you can, when you post you then repost it or reshare whatever whatever your platform is uh people can then use that to then say uh to then kind of pass it on to their friends because now they're not having to read it they're they're actually they're getting to get a uh, put sort of a face to the the product because you know covid so they're all masked in the interviews but um, still, you get a voice. You get uh, you, you can feel the pat. I honestly, I I like doing the interviews simply because you can feel the passion. Um, uh, instead of just reading gobbledygook. It's not that it's, everything's gobbledygook, but it, I, I I think we're at a time and age where people would rather listen than read. Um. Or to watch and read, I think, kind of the same. Well, idea. right, that, right, right, the yeah. same thing. Yeah, no, I would definitely agree with that. Um, that was actually when I do like tutorials and stuff for school. I used to do like P, like technical documentation PDFs. You know what? what you used to do a PDF form? Yeah, PDF, Google Doc, whatever. It didn't yeah. matter. Oh but God! You know what I found? Nobody read them. Like. YouTube videos long and boring, and I always find it much more effective to do to your point of video. I mean, mm-hmm. the reality is, is we're in the TikTok era, um, and as much as you know, the older generation likes to like, lambast the kids and all the time they spend on their phones. Guess who does it just as much? Yep, yep. And so they're just as much of that type of personality who also wants the video. Um, so yeah, it's overall, I think that's what people are you know, used to using nowadays for better or for worse. Well, I think, I think also with the, the benefit of having a video is that you can, um, you're actually getting to see what, especially when it's a technical thing. Cause I, I used to be, a, uh, uh, the, a technical director at a, at a company and I did all the technical documentation and all the tech technical videos for, for this company. And, um, uh, it's a sometimes even with the best of intentions, the way that you write step by step 
may not be intuitive to an individual, but if they're watching on the video where they could, you know, go go a little bit back, go a little forward, go a little back. So like, oh, oh, that's exactly where he's talking about. Because chances are, you, you know, you may have, unfortunately, I mean, I, I tried not to, but when you write a technical documentation, a technical document, there's a very good chance that you are going to make an assumption somewhere by accident. And yep. an intuitive step in your mind, an intuitive step is not intuitive to <laughs> a soccer mom or, you know, Bob, whatever. Anyways. Well, and also you have people with so many different interfaces yep. and like, they literally don't know what to do if they minimize the screen, for instance. Yes. And they don't even know they minimized it. And yeah, just little things like that definitely screw with people. Yes. Okay. So, um, so be a lookout for those interviews. And then, uh, um, and in the near future, I'm going to try to reach out to some of the other, uh, the, uh, some of the other people who were exhibitors that were at MomoCon and try to set up maybe like a virtual, a virtual interview that I can then post. Uh, nice. I've got, cause I've got quite a few business cards. I'm not going to show you what is on the business cards. Cause I don't, you know, cause some of them have their like personal information, but they I've got quite a few business cards. Are they not? Yeah. They're glorious business cards. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, all right. So first things first, super excited that there is finally, finally, a, finally. an actual release date for the Sandman, uh, Neil Gaiman's the Sandman series. Uh, which is a graphic novel, phenomenal, uh, appearing on Netflix. And that's going to be August the fifth. And tell me, just how excited are you about this, sir? Dude, I am. I am so freaking thrilled. Actually, it, anytime that Neil Ga a Neil Gaiman product comes uh, out in a different form, I'm 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 on board. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've I've rewatched the um, the mini series for uh, um, Neverwhere, which is great. And I also. Um, I read the book. I've got the graphic novel, and then I've also watched the the, the TV miniseries. Awesome. He was actually doing a voiceover of a TV series I was watching before the show. He's got a great voice. He does. He was God. That makes total sense. Eh, I know that makes sense. He kind of created it. Yes. Okay. Uh, anyway, so uh, real quick for those who. Uh, who are curious about the Sandman, who don't know. Uh, spanning several decades, the Sandman begins with an arcane ritual performed by aging occultist Roderick Burgess, uh, played by um, Charles Dance, who was the the Lord um, Lannister in uh, Game of Thrones, uh, who hopes to trap the embodiment death and make himself immortal. Instead, he actually captures the ruler of dreams, a member of the Endless, who patiently waits for his chance to break free. All the while, his absence from the snoozing world wreaks havoc across the globe. When Morpheus does finally escape his mortal imprisonment, he returns home only to find his instruments stolen and thrown decayed. What follows is a perilous adventure across the realms to reclaim what was once his. I honestly have a problem anytime I see Charles dance in another movie because wow. I, I, he's Tywin to me because that's like what I really first knew him as. Mm -hmm. And now whenever I see him, I just picture him covered in blood digging into like a pig as he's talking condescendingly to his kids. Uh, now, now I do want to point out that um, uh, th th some of the supporting cast, um, 
Uh, Gwendolyn Christie, another uh, alum of um, of Game of Thrones, uh, is playing the role of Lucifer. Nice. Um, Trying to see if there's any easily identified ones there. Uh, Stephen Fry is mm-hmm. in it. Patton Oswalt is in it. Um, oh. Yeah, I'm, I'm just like I said. I'm trying to quickly read of uh, David Faluis, uh, who is um, Lupin in uh, the the Harry Potter series. I thought you were gonna go with David Tennant. No, I don't think David Tennant's in this one. Unfortunately, I mean, who's in another new game in um, IP? You never know. Thank you. Yes, I got older. Yay. Aren't we always getting older by the second, Every by the day, day, by the month, by the life. year, by the decade? Anyways, I am, I'm like so pumped. Um, if you go on YouTube and you look for uh, the Sandman uh, trailer, um, uh, there's two of them. There's like a teaser trailer, which kind of gives you some behind the scenes uh, footage. And it shows you some of the, the actual set designs that they're going to be using. And it's, Really good. I mean, really good. Um, and of course, Neil Gaiman, uh, his graphic novel series, uh, Sandman, is phenomenal. Uh, but I did hear that there was an internet rumor that was starting to circulate that said that there was going to be because in in the graphic novels there it was a crossover between the Sandman and Lock and Key. Uh, but uh, mm. Joe Hill. And his uh, buddy, Rodriguez, I can't remember his first name off the top of my head, uh, they have said, no, there is not going to be a Locky Key crossover with the Salmon, um, simply because Locky Key is on Netflix, though it's entering its final season. Yeah, it's, it, yeah. Unless, like, you're playing well in advance, like the CWD with all their crossovers, pretty hard to make that happen, just kind of on a whim almost. But still, I am so It would have been cool, but, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I, I just August fifth can't get here soon enough. Let's, you, let's just put it that way. I know you want to be a couple months older on August fifth. I know, I know, I know. And you'll be a year older on August fifth. I mean, I'm already a year older than I was last year. Touche, touche. All right. So, speaking of Netflix. Another bit of news trickled out, uh, that being that Kevin Smith's uh, version of He-Man, which was uh, uh, He-Man Revelations, um, is getting a second season. Now, I do want to point out something, and and, and this is this kind of bugs the crap out of me. Um, if you're going to... I, I understand that we're at a time where certain shows get like the full season dump at one point, you know, like all 12 episodes or 10 episodes or however many episodes they get dropped on the streaming platform. And then there's other ones that, you know, they, they have like a set release schedule to, to keep you engaged. Um, but he man, uh, rev revelation, uh, had a part one and part two, and now it's getting a second season. Which to me is just, I don't know, my OCD-ness is going, well, but wasn't part two a second season, sort of? Or 
one or season 1.5. And also, here's the other thing. Uh, second season is actually, they're going to rebrand the name as well. It's not going to be He-Man Revelations. It's going to be, or sorry, Revelation. It's going to be He-Man Revolution. Oh. No, I'm um, just confused. Master Universe, uh, it's going to be called, well, actually, technically it's called Masters of the Universe Revolution is the next epic chapter in the battle for Eternia. It is a standalone story that takes place after the events in Revelation. Masters of the Universe Revolution is an all-new story that brings the focus to He-Man versus Skeletor. Like you've never seen them before. It's technology versus magic as He-Man and the heroic warriors face the forces of Skeletor and the deadly threat to the planet. And I honestly haven't seen the first one. It's good. It's really good. Uh, it, I mean, it does it. It doesn't hurt to have Mark Hamill as uh, the voice of Skeletor. They're a lie. It was that. That's that really that helps. <laughs> Is he coming back? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh cool. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. It, it, I don't know why it bugs me so much. It's just yeah. Have you got part one, part two? Okay, now season two. Well, you can have parts one and part two of what is now season one, and now you have season two. Yeah, I know. I don't know. Uh, just, you know, tomato, tomato, I guess. Mm-hmm. Season one, no. Season two, eight. Sure. I don't know. Now, um, the, ne- the, the next topic is something that we discussed uh, last week, and that, of course, is Diablo Immortal. I am immortal, I will have you know. Now, of course, as Zelius had stated on the previous episode, uh, you know, it is free to play, but to really get into, like, the end of the stuff, Zelius felt that there was you're going to get microtransaction to death. And, of course, because the internet is the internet, you had the big whale, which is the person who spends a shit ton of money on, on, a, on uh, a game. Uh kind of test the water and it theoretically to get the maxed out character in Diablo Immortal it will cost you a hundred thousand dollars and that's just like for the content that's out now and as we know with any microtransaction game it's going to be the ongoing treadmill. Oh, yeah. So what is super uber great right now? But Okay, so... but not So, you know, this this came out, I think, at the beginning of the week. And, I mean, there have been, like, updates happening left and right. Uh, when this news broke, I know it's going to surprise everybody, but uh, the Metacritic score for Diablo Immortal went in the toilet. And it's now the lowest... Metacritic scored game that Blizzard has ever made. Um, it, it's on a zero to ten scale, and currently it is lower than one. Well, the user based right. Metacritic score, right? Which is the one that's important because the users are the actually actual ones who are who are playing the game. I mean, I will say it depends on how you look at. It. Okay, so here would be my problem actually with that. Yep, is the people who are critic bombing me, or sorry user-based bombing it, I would bet you 90% of them have not even touched the game. Oh, absolutely. At all. 
And to be fair to the reviewers who actually reviewed it, because I've read the reviews, from a gameplay perspective, it's actually a pretty decent game, to be honest. Like, it, for a for a RPG of the action style on my phone, mm-hmm. it's the best game I've played. From a gameplay perspective, and for a free-to-play game to get 10 or so hours where you don't have to pay anything by the like I know you you have some microtransactions they're still less in your face than any other than most other games you play I mean you've played you've all played the games where it's like every 18 seconds it's flashing you with use for stuff so yep. we're getting a pretty decent 10 hours of gameplay per character I and mean, I think there's six playable characters you really don't have much of an incentive to actually spend any money until end game because it's the treadmill, just like normal. You're going to level up and lose that loot, basically. So on one hand, I totally get the in-game spending is terrible. It's absolute crap. There's no defending that. But for me, actual, just like normal, what most people are going to play, and you get the 10 hours from free to play, whatever. It's actually not that bad of a game in that perspective. Right. No, no, no. And, and, and uh, our uh, friend of the show, uh, uh, Dr. Ryan Moore of Hero Chiropractic, loves the game. Uh, he goes as he would go as far as to say that he likes this game a hell of a lot more than Diablo 3. Um, I would definitely not go that far. Diablo 3 is better, but whatever. I'm sure, like, a, when Diablo 3, the first. I'll say the first six months of Diablo three, it would be really that bar of beating that to, in my mind was very low. I'm sure it got better, but I did not like Diablo three at all, uh, which was sad. But anyways, uh, I think the, the reason why Diablo immortal is getting just destroyed, um, has to do with the fact that prior months prior to the release, the director, Mm -hmm had come out and said, in Diablo Immortal, there is no way to acquire or rake up gear using money. Yep. Which technically, technically... Well, technically, true. that's true. <laughs> um, uh, you, uh, gear, like, you know, the, the weapons, armor, all that stuff, it, that can actually be... That cannot be purchased with real money. However... Um, what can be purchased with real money is um, these uh, let well okay. There's these these items called legendary gems, but you can't actually buy the legendary gem. You've got to let's see. Uh, the legendary gems are dropped from legendary crests, which are the game's loot boxes. And so, um, so everyone's going, uh, so do you, why would you not consider this item, this legendary gem, uh, why would you not consider it to be gear as it does affect your stats? By the strict definition of it, you're not buying gear. Right. I mean, it's but total still, BS. We all know it. I, I, by, by the technical definition, not by gear. I, 
Yeah. I, I, I you know, yeah. he, he did not do himself any favor by saying, by, you know. Well, and I think the other part too is if it were a game mm-hmm. that did not have the Blizzard or Diablo name on it, mm-hmm. it would like be kind of like Gershon Impact where, oh my gosh, this is a great game. Everybody should check it out. Oh, we know that it's microtransaction at the hell, but the lead up to that's great. Like yeah. to me, yeah. that would be like, that would be the reaction, but it's because it's attached to Blizzard. That's why it has the uproar dust. Exactly. And, and I mean, it really comes, I mean, we've I I said you and I we've played the other predatory games. We all know they exist, and nobody is giving a shit about singling out singular games. Yep. Um, and that's, yeah. So that's where I'm kind of like, eh, whatever. If you want to try it out, play it, but nobody's, you know, forcing you to go spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on the game to play it. Mm-hmm. Now, if you also have like, I think it's like Norway and those countries have banned it. I'm also fine with that because they also, Blizzard also very much obfuscates the chances of your roles. And that's one of the problems of why I got the ban is A, it obfuscates what your chances are, and B, it is because the even by the other free-to-play games, the chances and cost structure is still pretty freaking extraordinary. Yeah. I mean, I well, great. I mean, that is pretty nuts what you have to do in that game. Um, to be the top tier. Um, now it would be interesting. I've never done this. I mean, it'd be pretty quick to throw in an Excel formula mm-hmm. but the other games like the hero um afk heroes and those games mm-hmm. i mean you could do a pretty quick calculation based on you know to get your get your 10 star heroes based on your drop chance like so you open up basically you get like your 10 draw cards and you could do a pretty quick excel formula because they tell you the exact percentages I'd be kind of curious to know, based on like combinations and meldings and all that stuff, what would be your approximate cost of a game like AFQ Heroes to get a full five to six person, 10 star godly lineup also? It'd be kind of interesting to see. Because um, I would not be surprised, honestly, it's in the same ballpark as Diablo. I wouldn't be surprised either. I'm trying to look it up here. Uh, I'm kind of assuming somebody's already done that, honestly. Yeah. Because to me, it would be the same equivalent. So the same equivalent to me in Diablo of having your Uber gear would be the equivalent to AFK Heroes of having your five-person lineup of all being the 10-star gods, basically. It it would be – that's kind of the analogy to me of what does it cost a game like. Because in a game like AFK Heroes, that's what you'd have to do to basically beat all the content and be number one on the PvP boards. Right, I'm. The, uh, damn, damn. I it, I will have to dive into this, but they're Probably. like it. it there, there, there's a lot of trans um, uh, conversions that have to be done for me to figure this out. There's, there's like um, uh, oh my god, the re- Basically, they don't. Uh, this person doesn't know off the top of their head how much real money would cost however it will uh the the end game currency 
is uh two billion seven hundred fifty two million gold twenty two billion three hundred twenty million experience three million five hundred fifty two thousand dust um yeah so I mean I I that's I'm sure a shit ton of money is probably on par with Diablo Immortal. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, just to give you an idea. So in AFK Heroes, mm -hmm. in order to have a legendary plus, um, you need 72 copies of that hero. 72 copies of the hero. Good Lord. Oh my God. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I, I'll, 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 I'll have to look it up later. Cause now I'm curious, but yeah, yeah. I'd be kind of curious. Those damn merges. That's, there that's, might be also be numbers on what is it? Because Summoner's Rift was one of the original AFK games, like the same exact gotcha type of game. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, that'd be another one that's been around longer. I wonder if that would have numbers. Um, or I mean, really, they're all out of Japan, so there's probably like some Japanese board somewhere that has them. Yeah, just gotta know how to, you know, read Japanese. Google Translate, baby. Touche. Translate from yen to U.S. dollars, but I'm sure somebody out there has done this calculation. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to pause real quick and do the friends of the show because these are the amazing people that help Ultra Confusion be the best we could be. So let us start it off the right way. The Indie Cluster. The Indie Cluster is an organization of independent game developers that want to gain exposure by being involved in the community. They collectively journey to popular conferences as a traveling booth to help gain attention for their games. They make partnerships in local communities to bring games to the mainstream mindset. They highlight local, unusual, and rare concepts to challenge the paradigm of the common. They also host events to teach kids and minority groups about game development to hopefully one day enter the industry themselves. For more information, go to IndieCluster.com. That's I-N-D-I-E-C-L-U-S-T-E-R.com. Now, of course, the next friend of the show that we've got to give a huge shout-out to is Noodleboy Media. Founded in 2015 by Andrew Tran, Noodle Boy Media, previously White Kid 47 Media, is your choice for professional photo shoots and panel recordings at conventions. They pride themselves in providing a high level of professionalism, top-notch experiences, and quality services. If you want more information and to view their full list of services, check out facebook.com slash noodleboymedia. Now, I, I, I did allude to this amazing gentleman earlier, uh... He is currently thoroughly hooked on Diablo Immortal, but let's talk about Hero Chiropractic. Hero Chiropractic is a unique healthcare practice set up by Ryan Moore, the company's focus to elevate a patient's experience of freedom, creative expression, and joy. They believe that everyone can be a hero and has incredible heroic potential inside themselves waiting to be unleashed. Hero Chiropractic fo focuses on the mobile chiropractic care of the greater related area. They are committed to healing clients by creating a 
plan of action uniquely suited for each person. They make that point that plan of action as convenient and affordable as possible, and most importantly, suited to your individual needs. For more information, go to HeroChiropractic.com. And finally, huge shout out to the amazing maestro that helped create the intro and outro for the Thursday Night Hangouts, Crosspad Creative. Need a new logo or want to work on a full branding and content strategy? Or maybe you need music or audio for your content. Crosspad Creative offers a whole host of solutions for individuals and small businesses. Just email Josh at crosspadcreative at gmail.com and see what he can do for you. Now, as we did the friends of the show, who are amazing individuals, uh, and I... It, um, reading the uh, the blurb on any cluster reminded me of something. When I was at Momocon, uh, I was invited out to dinner with the indie cluster people, and uh, one of the uh, one of the indie developers that went was not part of the indie cluster, and so they asked, uh, "What the what the heck is indie cluster?" <laughs> and because I say that, you know, I, because I say this blurb every single week, I had I literally just went on my phone real quick, pulled up my Google Docs, and just <laughs> read it out. And uh, the the guy Ron Jones, who's the the head of any cluster, he wasn't paying. He was kind of half paying attention. And I got his I got his full attention. He goes, man, that sounds like a really good thing. I said, yeah, it's you. It's your stuff. He goes, that's why it sounds so good. So nice. seriously, Andy Clusters is a phenomenal organization. Um, they, they've they've helped out. Um, when you go to a convention, here's an, another thing. Uh, I know that Alta Confusion, um, uh, we, we've discussed, we've talked about this many times, is that when we go to conventions, there's a very good chance that we have to pay for our own power, which ain't cheap. Uh, but... Um, but if you are an exhibitor, not only do you have to pay well, an exhibitor, you're probably you have to buy a booth space. As a fan table, you get the booth space for free. You do not get a ticket. You do not get in for free. Um, you have to buy your own ticket, unless you're media or a panelist who's mm-hmm. done or a panelist with enough hours to warrant a free pass. Ah, uh, yes. Because uh, that's what certain conventions you have to have more than six hours of content, which whatever um, at certain conventions. Uh, but but yeah, uh, it's not cheap to have a booth, and Indie Cluster helps soften the blow um, for independent developers who really want to show off their stuff, but probably can't afford to purchase a booth on their own. I can see that. Yeah, that's cool. Yes. Now, uh, I do want to point out um, that uh, we're going to change gears slightly. We're going to give some uh, some important information about Alter Confusion. The first being, ladies and gentlemen, for the 11th year straight, Alter Confusion will be participating in Extra Life. Extra Life is gamers doing what they do best, game, to help sick and injured children at their chosen Children's Miracle Network Hospital. The money that we raise through Extra Life will go directly to Children's Healthcare Atlanta as unrestricted funds. This means that the hospital decides where and how to spend the money 
to ensure the dollars we raise make the biggest impact in the lives of the kids they treat. So if you have the capacity to donate, please go to extra-life.org and search for Altered Confusion. Now, I know that everybody is always curious as, how do I become a friend of the show for every Thursday night hangout? Well, ladies and gentlemen, Altered Confusion has a Patreon. Alter Confusion survives on the love and support of fans like you, and so we have a Patreon page. Patreon lets you, fans, supporters, lovers, haters, demigods, interdimensional beings, demons, angels, vampires, werewolves, mummies, extraterrestrial beings, and more, to become active participants in the work we love through a monthly membership. This gives you access to exclusive content, community, and insight into our creative process. In exchange, we gain a bit more freedom to do our best work and the stability we need to build an even stronger creative career. Currently, we have two, count them, one, two tiers. Uh, we have a $1 tier, which is $1 a month or $12 a year. And at that subscription level, you get early access to um, the playthroughs as well as patron-only post to help shape the future of Alter Confusion. Now, if you want to become a friend of the show, that's the $5 a month or $60 a year level, and that of course gives you everything at the two, uh, sorry, at the $1 level, but also your name or organization is added to every single thank you section of the Thursday Night Hangouts. So, if you'd like to become a patron, go to Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, dot com slash altered confusion. Now, let's jump right back into the to the to the story, shall we? So, real quick, yes, sir. So, according to this comment, mm -hmm. there is actually a calculation of my exact question. And so, regarding a, what would it take to basically get your ascended five star hero mm -hmm. in? Um, AFK Arena, it's both less and potentially more than I thought. Okay. So with perfect RNG, so basically when you get like a 10-star pack, mm -hmm. you get elite heroes, and that's basically what you then meld together to create more and more superheroes, yep. right? Yep. If you get perfect RNG, meaning that – so these stats take into account basically the chance to actually get this elite plus hero in your draw. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't really have a good way to take into account if you get – that exact hero, but assuming you have perfect RNG for getting the hero you're looking for, it's approximately $725 per a hero. Which means hero then, hero. well, I honestly have no idea at this point. When I stopped playing, I don't even remember. Um, but there's two things to take into account there. One is you have to take into account that this is perfect RNG, meaning that you're pulling the hero you're looking for. We all damn well know that's not the case. The other issue that you run into also is as games like AFK Arena are around longer, you have more elite plus heroes, mm -hmm. which means that every time you draw, there's less of a chance that you're going to get that. You still have the same chance of drawing an elite hero, but, but your chance of getting same one. Yeah, your specific hero are obviously going to go down. And the more heroes there are, less of a pool, but the other trick too is typically these games, when they come up with new heroes, because they have to keep the treadmill alive, they're going to naturally also be the most powerful of the heroes. So in order to advance on the content, means you have to now basically go back through the grind cycle 
to get these new heroes. There are currently 43 ascended tier heroes in four major factions. So, yeah, you could do a lot. And the trick is, is you might have your super five-star lineup, but depending on like what faction you're fighting or who your opponent is, you also need a different lineup yep. uh, because you have like alliance or like faction bonuses. Um, so depending on that, you may have to change up your strategy too. So it's not always just having only these five. Strategy. So, so yes, AFK Arena, any of the, I mean, it's not just AFK Arena, any of these gotcha games um, can get super quick, pretty freaking expensive. If you really want to play. Okay, so uh, we have we have a couple of uh, questions uh, that came up during the week that I yes, posted. Yes, no, no, yes. Huh? I don't. It's not that. It's not that easy, Zelius. Oh well, I just failed. All right. So um, a question was asked uh, with the constant, ever-changing landscape of release windows. Uh, when it comes to video games. The question mm -hmm. was, when a game gets a release window, are we now to the point where we know that disappointment is going to rear its ugly head because it's not going to make it? And what do you think the ballpark for the amount of time AAA Studios missed their scheduled window by? I don't really care much about the ballpark anymore outside of the game I'm actively playing like Final Fantasy 14. Um, but really for me, it's like, meh, because I mean, you know me, I've very rarely been a day one purchaser of video games anyways. Would you consider early release an actual, uh, early access an actual release? At this point, the way the landscape has changed, yes. We might not like it because it means it's buggy as hell and there's other issues, but for better or for worse, that is kind of the new norm of, and it has been for a while now. It's not like it's new this year. Um, and it's kind of that ever changing landscape of a game. I mean, I, when I was playing Outriders a lot, uh -huh. it was very clearly stated that this is not a game as a service, meaning that it's not Destiny 2 basically where they're always releasing that content. And yet, the game players were always wondering, like, where's the new content for the game? It's like this different new expectation from gamers where a video game, especially when it's an online game, it's almost like never finished, right? It's mm -hmm. like always in the ongoing state of release and improvements. Um, and I think it adversely affects the reviews of some games like in Outriders where it's because it's not always being released with new content, even though that's what the developer said was the state of the game. Like, this is the finished product. Um, yet people are all like, oh, no new content. Um, so it, yeah, it's created a very much a different dynamic, but it's just kind of that idea in general, if you think about it, where... Like, as a society, it's always being spoon-fed new content, new content, new content. It's not, it's almost like, think about it, like the TV, right? We would sit down at 8 o'clock and watch TV because you had to sit down at 8 o'clock to watch TV. Right. Now you record it, it's all 
you get everything you want fire hose to you at all times. And in a way, game developers have reacted to that, where it's like, okay, we're not going to fire hose you more content because that's what you kind of demand. Um, but in a way, it also kind of creates unsustainable models where we get broken games because gamers like, I need all the content now or I'll give you a zero bomb on Metacritic because I don't like there wasn't enough content or it didn't come out soon enough. Um, so it kind of cuts both ways a little bit. So for me, it's um, Zelius brings up a lot of valid points, and and, and to, for me, that was a very ranty answer. No, no, and and that's exactly the I, I think that's the response people are looking for. Um, I, I in total honesty, um, I think even when games aren't exclusively labeled as early access, I think at this point every game is early access when when consumers can purchase and start playing some semblance of the game. Um, I think that, uh, in my opinion, the ballpark amount of time that a studio will miss the scheduled window depends on the publisher. I think if, uh, if the publisher is all about the money, that window... There's, they're going to release, they're going to force a release sooner than they should. Yeah. Um, and in the end, it may take like a, a year or two to actually get the real game uh, out there. And at that point, you know, what, what's, what, what have you done to your gamer base? I mean, how many people, it's interesting, it's interesting to see how you you absolutely have the diehard fans that they're like, I believe that they will make this game the game that is supposed to be, and they'll stick with it. But then you have a lot of people who, you know, they immediately get their their um, torches and their pitchforks, and they they you know they bomb the crap out of it on any user review website they can get their hands on, and. Those people may or may not uh, ever come back. I, I think that it would be, um, in all likelihood, you almost have to do like kind of an when you've when the game's truly fixed and is what it's supposed to be. You kind of need like a re-release, you know, kind of like campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, from from a marketing standpoint, because you can't just, you know, you, you can't just send nice little love notes to all the consumers that had purchased the game. Going, by the way, we're trucking along, yay! Because uh, that that shame gonna cut it. Uh, but um, one game I do have to actually give a shout out to that was finished when it came out, mm-hmm. Scarlet Nexus. Yeah. I mean, that was a triple-A game. I think that was Square Enix, if I remember right. Um, came out and solid single-player game, and it came out, and I didn't – I don't remember about you because we played around the same time. I didn't have any issues or bugs or any shit with it. That's Bandai, it was, Namco. Was it? Okay, yeah, I was Namco. totally not right. Yeah. Um, well, I was still, it was still in that, that – what's up, Nakamoto? So, uh, but that was a solid – 
product. Here we go. It's a complete. I think there may have been DLC for or something. I don't know. There was there uh, was also DLC. That's I, what I thought. But it was I, a solid game. Yeah, I, I think it's. I mean, it is kind of sad that we're we're now at the point where, uh, like I said, even if the game doesn't, you know, doesn't absolutely one hundred percent say early access. I think that almost every single AAA title is now at the point that it's early access. And I think that it's just unfortunate that it is really weird and odd when a game actually comes out ready to go. It's like out of the norm almost, yes. Yeah. I just realized my hat's been on backwards the entire show. I wasn't going to say anything, Zelius. I think old age was catching up to you. But I was I like, something doesn't feel... <laughs> yep, uh, yep, yep. No. But no, I, I, you know, I, I, it, it's kind of funny. Um, I don't know, maybe because I, I feel like, you know, it used to be movies that were, that were missing the release windows. And now Ooh. I feel like video games have re are like movies are now like, we're, we're going to make it, damn it. Unless of course COVID happens. And then of course everything happens or, they dis or the uh, studio decides that a meme campaign looks good and is getting a lot of attention, so they re-release uh, the movie back into theater, and it still does dick squat. I'm talking about Morbius with uh, Jared Leto. Um, nice. But you know, I, I, I'm to the point where. I will wait for if the game excites me enough. Sure, I'll buy it on. I'll buy it day one, uh, with absolutely one hundred percent understanding that I am almost ninety percent sure I'm not getting the finished product. Uh, so I guess in that way, I there's there's the disappointment, but I'm not going to be like, oh man, I've locked this down on my calendar. It's gonna come out on this day. No, that's, no, there's no way. Not anymore. Yeah. Not anymore, sir. Okay, there was an there was a question that came in uh, late, and I'm gonna we have to paraphrase it. Um, <laughs> how long is too long when it comes to porting a game to other platforms? Like I, I'm assuming they're they're saying time between like the game was released in 20 or let's just say 2008 how how long is too long to port the the 2008 release onto a different platform i'd probably say a console generation I can see because that. if it's just a straight port it, I, that implies not being a legendary edition or revamped or whatever it is so in that case i'd probably say a whole entire console generation because at that point you've kind of lost the graphical superiority of which the pc is usually already better than the console um so that kind of be what i would go with just from a straight up port without doing any enhancements would be kind of that length i mean you can, so, always, you can always take the uh the uh, secures. the square enix approach with chrono trigger and just re every single time a new platform comes up, just port that the shit out of it with touching nothing. I mean, there's always one exception to be fair. 
Chrono Trigger on your toaster, on your coffee maker. Chrono Trigger in the bathroom. I I think, and and I, I agree with you. I think that, um, you know, the up to the next gen. Um, but, I mean, it, it would get a little tricky, I think, that if you, if you were, like, let's say that you released it on, you were one of the first games on the PlayStation 2. Yeah. I think you would have to be, like, one of the first games on the PlayStation 3. I don't think that, I don't think that uh, porting it uh, the last year of the PlayStation 3 would make sense to me. I think that that would be too, in my opinion, that would be a little bit too, but then again, maybe nostalgia, you know, I, I, I mean, I could see though, because if you're a early PS2 game and you're a good, I think we have to caveat it's a game people want to play too. Right, absolutely, yeah. I think if you do port it to a new console, that could also be an impetus for people buying that console. Whereas I think if we do it near the end of the life cycle, at that point, you probably already have a developers like in this case gearing up for the next PlayStation iteration. Yeah. So now you're just trying to kind of release content near the end of a life cycle to still make money off of that. So I think there's definitely some business strategy that goes into when do you release it um, versus when you're just trying to, you know, make some more cash because why not? The development studio just needs a little extra. No, I, I and I think, uh, and I, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Zillius, but I think that you alluded to this. Um, the port, uh, Just saying porting is a little vague because, you know, you do have those like, the, the ultimate edition and the gold edition and the remastered. Are we, uh, uh, I wish that the individual who asked me this question was, um, currently tuned in, but apparently they are not cause I haven't seen any responses from them. Um, but you know, is it like a straight port? I mean, is it, is it literally like Chrono Trigger where it, they're, they're just copy paste. Or, you know, or, or are they doing like optimization code or something? Um, I think that that too would, would, would kind of, I guess, flavor my, my opinion. If they're, if they're making changes, they're making tweaks, then I think that you get a little bit more wiggle room with the, the, um, how long you can go between the first release and the port. Whereas it's, if it's a straight up, up, oh, Anzilius has left us again. Sad day. If yo there he is, I'm back. Zilius is back. Um, no, I was just saying that I think that if it's a straight up, you know, straight up port, I think that there's a shorter in my mind. There's a shorter uh, life clock span, whatever. If it's you know if they're like optimiz- optimizing, then I give them a little bit more time because. You know, they're actually trying to improve on the product. Like, I don't know if you saw about Last of Us is being remastered for PlayStation. Mm-hmm. And so to me, like, that creates an entirely new life cycle. Like, if it was just the original Last of Us, which I'm pretty sure you can already play on the PS5, it's like, meh, maybe. But we know it's being remastered. Like, to me, that totally changes it. Where well, it, you got like uh, Dead Space is gonna remaster, yeah. Like it's like a new game, especially yeah. for a lot of like. I mean, I've never owned a PlayStation console, 
So there's a lot of game. I basically own the PS5 and the Xbox 360. That's it for my consoles. Mm -hmm. So outside of basically whatever I played on the 360, I've never played a lot of these console games. And so for me, a lot of them being released are like, oh, these are new games. Now, if I'd already played Last of Us, because it's not that old. It's not like a, it's a PS1 or PS2 game. I don't know if I played again just as a remaster unless I really liked it that much. Which I say, because I also do want to play Mass Effect Remastered by the same token, even though I played it on the 360. Last of Us, of course, was released in 2013. But I want to play Mass Effect because it's remastered. Um, I just so want to see the TV show that they've been oh. touting for a while. I'm going to be totally honest with you. I was... Uh, Last of Us... Actually, Last of Us was one of the games that came up during the uh, the panel at Momocon. Oh. Um, where... About 2013 is about that time where a, a game that is clearly more of like a, a single-player adventure game, you had the pressure of putting a multiplayer kind of, you know, a, a mode that's more like Guns of Blazing slapped on it, like the the when they redid uh, Tomb Raider and stuff. Sure, um, yep. You know, and, and, and to me, I think that that kind that move by the publisher and slash developer, I think colored my view of last of us. And it kind of made me not like it as much because I was like, why, you know? Um, but yeah, um, I'd be very like, do we have a release? I mean, is, have they even hinted at when the TV show's coming? I still have a quarter to go. I'm drinking. Polliner Hefeweizen tonight. Noise. Uh, um, let's see here. Uh, Last of Us TV show. Season one. If I were going to speculate, I'd say 2025 at the earliest. I don't think production started, apparently. First season expected to debut in 2023. Okay, well, I guess, uh, like usual, depends on what website you read. Wikipedia. Well, there you go. Oh, uh, there was some news that came out um, today. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Jeff Gersman, um, who is a legend in the game develop, uh, I'm mean, sorry, the, the game uh, review news world, because um, he was, there was an incident that is named uh, Gersman Gate. Uh, he, uh, Jeff Gersman and a gentleman by the name of Ryan Davis and some other individuals used to work at um, GameSpot. And uh, both Gersman and Davis got let go from GameSpot because they refused to wait their uh, review. I want to say it was of Cannon Lynch. I could be wrong, but they they refused because the 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 publisher was the sponsor for the website, and so and they canned the the game, and so they got canned as a result. And then they they went on to create Giant Bomb. Um, Jeff Gersman has now left Giant Bomb, and, and uh, for those who may not remember or know, uh, the other cre uh, founder of Giant Bomb, Ryan Davis, he unfortunately had passed away uh, many years ago now of uh, basically sleep apnea, I believe. Um, but to be honest with you, um, Giant Bomb was awesome in its infancy, and I was a huge fan of Giant Bomb. Hell, I... I I was the second top uh, user reviewer on Giant Bomb for a couple of years, 
and then they got corporate. And the company that owns GameSpot bought Giant Bomb for uh, credibility. And um, I got um, temp banned like twice in a row. Uh, and so I never went back to Giant Bomb because I was like, this is bullshit. Jerks. Because like, you can't link your stuff on our website. It's a user review. It's my review. I can I could link to my stuff as the user who wrote it. All your stories are belongs to us. Whatever. Anyways, uh, I wish Jeff the the best of luck. Uh, he's going to do a patron, uh, a Patreon um, driven uh, podcast uh, in the future. So there you go. But uh, but yeah. Patreon and podcast. Where have I heard that before? Yes, that 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 happens just a wee bit. That is the thing. Yes. Um. I thought I had. Damn it! I had something else that I wanted to show that I got from uh, Momocon, but I unfortunately have misplaced it. Um, the Momocon goodies. Well, it, it turns out that uh, at the Nurburger Games uh, table. Nurburger Games, of course, Craig Campbell, phenomenal, amazing guy. Uh, at his table was a gentleman by the name of Derek Kamal, who oh, yeah. uh, I've interviewed, and he's he's uh, I've read one of his books, and he apparently released another book a couple like two years ago. I was like, holy crap, you came out with another book, and uh, and he gifted it to me, so I'm like, yeah, so nice. I got, so I've got some reading to do. But did he sign it too? No, and I was dumb. I should have made him sign it, but I was, I, I, I had to get back to the table because I had no coverage whatsoever. So, uh, he you and you didn't get it signed. I don't understand. Yeah, sorry. I my I was. I'm gonna be totally honest with you. I was not completely there at Momocon. I was a little. I was not a little. I was extremely overwhelmed by just the sheer volume of people and noise. And having to do everything solo, and it freaked me the fuck out. That and I, I, I just, I had to get out of there. I hear that. Because I, I, I broke down the table four hours before I was supposed to on Sunday because I, I was done. It's a lot, yeah. Yep. Well, anyways, uh, ladies and gentlemen, unfortunately, we've reached the end of our show. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. Um. Uh, we do. Uh, Zelius, you are going to be around next Thursday? Unless the world comes to an end. Okay. So we're going to have a show next Thursday, but then the following Thursday will be off. So just a heads up on that. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank everyone for tuning in to the Ultra Confusion Thursday Night Hangout. For myself, Charlie, and Zelius, it's been a pleasure giving everything to come to our heads, our mouths, and of course, our hearts. We'll be back next Thursday for another Ultra Confusion Thursday Night Hangout. Remember, kids, keep on gaming in the free world. Amen to that, brother.